And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So, That's interesting. So he didn't make Adam inside Eden. He made him outside Eden and he made then him outside and Eden. put him into Eden. He Eden? was basically saying, "Here I present you this garden." Welcome to the Oh, oh My Geekers, Geekers podcast. podcast where we educate others while educating ourselves on an array of topics. We also review movies, books, and TV shows. So welcome again um, for you listeners out there in podcast land. We hope you're having a good week. Um, we are going to start off in Genesis 2. So Zeke, take it away. Okay, so uh, with Genesis 2. Uh, chapter 2. It begins thus. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in that he had rested from all the work which God created and made. So, this here. So Genesis, Bereshith in the beginning, and uh, the rabbinical section of this uh, book is, again, Bereshith in the beginning. So this is the beginnings of a whole lot of things. And so here we have the Sabbath. I have a question mm -hmm. real quick. So when uh, Bereshith, can you remind our listeners from last week and maybe those who um didn't get to listen to last week's just real quick what does Bereshith mean again so Bereshith is the title of uh the book of genesis in the hebrew and it comes from the first uh line in the book of genesis Bereshith and it comes from Rashith meaning beginning and Ba, the little ba, is a grammatical term, which means in, like, in, the... in, upon. It's like most of it is translated in. So in beginning, and we just put the in because. Okay. And maybe for uh, somebody that's not well-versed in, in the Bible, um, can you, can you tell them what, and I don't even know if this is in the Bible, um, or well-versed in theology, what does rabbinical mean again? So rabbinical, so they're rabbis. And rabbis are Jews. Uh, they, they started around the time that after the captivity into Babylon, the Jews, uh, they in Babylon, they set up these places called synagogues. And the synagogues are where the Jews would go and meet and basically since they didn't have a temple uh, at that time they would they would just read from the scriptures and uh, teach the word they would also also because uh, many people were speaking more Aramaic than Hebrew at that time the rabbis which would be the teachers they would translate from Hebrew to Aramaic 
And then it began this whole tradition of uh, rabbis who would teach the the Torah, the prophets. They would teach that. And then they would take oral traditions of the law and they would teach on that. And rabbinic tradition with the book of Genesis, it's broken up into tiny little sections. And this is the first section, which is Bereshith in the beginning. Okay. I think I understand. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, f first we have, um, on the, the heavens and the earth, they're created. And now on the seventh day, God rests from all his labors. And this is not to say that God became weary. He did not become weary. Uh, he, he has infinite power. And in the book of John, Jesus said, my father is always working. And even on the Sabbath day. So why does it say that God rested? It's mainly God stopped creating. He stopped doing, he stopped focusing on his creation, and he stopped focusing on creating, and it's mainly an example for us. So you, you, have, you have the six days, and they are focused on creation, but the seventh day, it's focused on God resting. So... We have two ideas, God and resting. And it's an example for us that we should rest and reflect on God and all that he has made. Hmm. That's interesting. Do you believe, and I mean, because I know that some people look at the Sabbath as just one day of rest from six days of working. And then there's in the New Testament where Jesus says that he is the Sabbath and the, the rest. And, and I think in Hebrews, it talks a lot about resting in the finished work of the cross, resting in the fact that, you know, salvation is um, a gift and that we don't have to work for that salvation and that we rest in uh we rest in Christ every day and in his grace what do you think about what do you think about those two ideas i mean they're not even ideas they're like actual uh they're both biblically you know biblical perspectives first of all in uh in Throughout the Torah, we also get multiples of the Sabbath rest. Uh, we we get the new moon festivals. That's one thing. How is that a multiple? So you're not supposed to do any work on the new moon. It's that That's one. So it's not just one day. It's also for certain months. And then you get seven-year periods, and that's a seven rest. And then you have... 14 year periods and that's a seven rest and then it's sort of this the sabbath 
rest is actually just a microcosm of something more, something that is pointing to something else. So... I think of the year of Jubilee. Yeah, the year of Jubilee. That's a period within, I think, either 14 or 7 years where they would stop from all their labor, cancel all debts. And so the, the year of Jubilee would be the year when the Sabbath rest comes. But for most of the time, the Jews did not celebrate they didn't the year. It. They did not observe the year of Jubilee. And that's actually one of the reasons listed for why the Jews were led into Babylonian captivity. Yes. What we get is, so is there any point where we can finally rest in the goodness of God? And we can't. It's quite impossible. Physically, physical rest and spirit, like um, mental rest is like, like a spiritual rest, I guess. I don't even know how to explain it. Is, is important. I mean, if you get physical rest one day out of the week, fine. Good for you. <laughs> like, but to rest in the goodness of God and the finished work of Jesus is extremely important. And I, and I really, you know, um, I just like going to the New Testament and, and just seeing how Jesus observed the Sabbath and what he thought of the Sabbath. And even in the New Testament in, in Hebrews, which is one of my favorite books, just about, you know, how it was focusing a lot on, um, uh, the book of Hebrews was focusing a lot on how the, the, the Jews who were saved and they were Christians, they were going back into, um, I guess, Judaism. They, they, they weren't resting in the fact that Jesus had, um, had died for their sins and that they didn't have to do all these rituals and traditions anymore. Um, and even work on the Sabbath was so, like the Sabbath was, was so, I, I don't want to say perverted, twisted. There, there's a word for it. It was, it was just misinterpreted, I guess, by these Pharisees and the Pharisees had turned it into a burden, you know, because on the Sabbath, you couldn't even, you know, go save a lamb that had, you know, fallen off the cliff, one of your lambs. I think Jesus used that as one of the parables or pretty much a rebuke um, to the Pharisees when he was doing something on the Sabbath and he just corrected them by saying, like, wouldn't you go say one of your little, I think he was healing someone on the Sabbath. And they were like, oh, don't heal someone on the Sabbath. Like they had made it into you know, such a burden. And I don't know, it, it goes so deep, the whole Sabbath. And even from the beginning in Genesis, when we think about, you know, when, when God rested, you know, it wasn't like you said, I like, I like what you said. It wasn't, oh, he, you know, just like took a break and went on vacation. 
um, it was, it was like almost like, oh, I'm done. I'm finished with this. Because he had done basically everything he actually needed to do. If you divide the first three days from the last three days, mm -hmm. you actually get this pattern if you put them together. So what is the first thing that God creates? Um, I forgot. The first day that he created, mm -hmm. uh, I forgot. What was it? It was uh, separating the light from the darkness, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. How could I forget that? And so, if you think of that... Uh, and someone out there is like, oh my gosh, it's light and dark. <laughs> that's light and dark, day and night. So, mm -hmm. uh, what, what, what do we tell day and night from? The, the the moon and the sun the moon and the sun mm -hmm. that's that's one way that we do it and the stars mm -hmm. what was created on the fourth day I feel like I'm in Bible school again and I don't know on the fourth day I don't know what please <laughs> that what that was uh the sun mind. the moon the stars oh okay so you have oh. day and night mm -hmm. was created and then on the first day on the first day mm -hmm. and then the next two days make up the first three days. The last three days, the first of the last three days is when he creates the moon and the stars and the sun. Mm -hmm. Okay. Second day, what did he make? Let me look it up in the Bible. Because <laughs> I don't want to be wrong knowing me. Let me go to Genesis. Chapter one. Oh, let there be light. There was light. Then God said, let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And so sky, he, he created sky. Uh, which translation is that? Uh, NLT. Okay. I can quote it. I'm quoting it right now. Yeah, you just quote. You have to say it's the NLT. Oh, yeah, you're right. I should. Sorry. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. So he created space. Well, the, well, space the in sky. Between, he made the sky. Sky. And the waters gathered in the waters into one place and called them seas. And so okay, he made so... the sky and, and, and the ocean. He made the sky and the ocean, okay? okay? Okay. The second of the last two days, the fifth day. I believe he made birds. Birds in and, the sky. In the sky. And I remember that fish, from the New Believers Fish Bible. in the sea. Fish in the sea, yes. Okay, and then the third the third day, uh -huh. he made... A land. He made land. Okay. And then also On the sixth what did day he made, he made people and animals people for the land animals for so the that's land. the so, pattern so it's a pattern he's making he's making places he's making realms what? and then he's making <laughs> play things to have meaning to those realms yeah basically okay so you kind of get that <laughs> well that's actually really interesting so god is very smart intelligent 
and creative. Creative. And then we get that, but what is the Sabbath day for? That's like, is that an odd number? That's an odd number. You get to six yeah. and seven. That's an extra day. Yeah. So what's So what's the pattern there? So all the other ones were for each other. <laughs> but yeah. then the last one is for all of them. What do you mean? Okay, so... How are they... How is it for all of them? So... I mean, I with, know... With, with oh, the okay. day and the night, mm -hmm. it would just be tedious, wouldn't it, to measure day and night just going on and on. We have to sleep. And on. Well, not, not just sleep, but... What if there was no weeks or no years? Then I would go insane. It would feel like I was in a loony bin with all white walls strapped in a white room with black curtains or something like so, that. So, in order, in order to create order, God has made the Sabbath day for that. Uh, with with the sun and the moon and the stars, He gives us a rest. With the sun, moon, and stars. So How? We can, so we can rest from counting the days, and then we do a new week. We start over. Yeah, so... Okay, so what about land and animals and all land that? Land and animals, so... Uh, remember, God gave dominion with man. He gave dominion over the birds of mm -hmm. the air, the fish mm -hmm. of the sea, mm -hmm. and all the animals. Yes. He pretty much has dominion over the seas and over the land, uh, even though he is a land creature. Wait, did you just call God a land creature? No, man. Oh, man, sorry. Okay. And so, what happens is that he works and works and works, tending and ruling, but... The problem with doing that all the time, so, like, first he gets burned out. Mm -hmm. Second, what man tends to do if he's working all the time and ruling all the time, and the saying goes, absolute power corrupts absolutely. If he has no day when he is not Lord, he believes that he is Lord. Mm -hmm. So this Sabbath is meant to prevent man from becoming a god. Basically, he, he has dominion over all these animals, but if he does not lay down his authority at least once a week and go and contemplate on the true ruler of the universe, he gets a big head, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and with man working all the time, what does that do to him? He, he just gets burnt out. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm seeing the pattern. I'm beginning to see the pattern of how the seventh day is kind of wraps it all up. Okay. What else? Uh, he blessed it, sanctified it. And uh, because he rested from all the work which God had created and made. And what do you mean that. sanctified it? What? Sanctified it. He made it holy. Oh, okay. He made That's it something right. that... Sacred. Sacred, and actually across 
He set it apart. That's what he said. He set it apart. In a whole lot of cultures, they have seven day weeks. Yeah. I noticed that. Like, people were. That's why, you know, when people from other countries move to America and they are working, they're open on holidays and. And they're, you know, working seven days a week. They're doing schoolwork seven days a week. They're like, that's why a lot of them are are well-to-do, well-off financially. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I think that at a time it becomes a bad thing. If, if the man or woman is working in order to provide their family because of necessity in order to win bread or else the stability uh, and security of their children and family will be in jeopardy if they stop working seven days a week. That That is pardonable because it is the same thing. Like, oh, a ship, I mean, a sheep fell into a pit. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to work at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, if it, if a man or a woman is working for working's sake in order to get money for having money's sake, your daily bread becomes twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I kind of, it kind of reminds me of in, um, in, in Exodus where they were not allowed to gather more manna, manna than, than they had. Than they had, and that it would spoil. It would spoil. The only time that they were only supposed to gather a little more was before the Sabbath day, because that is when they needed to eat. Mm-hmm. But for the other days, they were, that's overworking, getting a little more than you needed. Mm-hmm. It's also what Jesus also said. I'm the bread. I'm the life. He's our daily bread. Mm-hmm. So if we make something more than our daily bread, we have more than we have, then that's just gluttony. Yeah. it's And it's also neglecting, you know, you, you tend to, you not you tend to become very greedy for, for yourself. You don't want to give to others. You're... You also neglect your own family because you're too busy, like, trying to get as much as you can. I just, it reminds me of, um, uh, the, the, uh, gold rush, you know, (laughs) where people were, like, just coming from all different parts of the world just to come to California to get into the, the rivers and, and pan for gold for like one little piece of gold and it the people that were making the money most of the money in the gold rush were the people who were selling like <laughs> they they were just selling the equipment and mm-hmm. stuff and the food mm-hmm. and all that and mainly people just lost sight and they also lost a lot of their money too because they it was your regular little Nevada almost you know Sin City during that time there was a lot of saloons and prostitution and you know so all the money that they did get when they were out and about it was just like on booze and women and 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 
I don't know why I just went off on a rabbit trail. (laughs) It was just working. They were working for all the wrong things. They were not working for family or, or to, you know, working hard on their farms and, you know, making a living. And they were actually working to, to just blow it all. I don't know why that came to my mind. Okay. We got off on a trail, rabbit trail. Now what? the writer is about to do is he's going to go back and explain something and he's going to do this throughout the book and so whenever it seems like he's jumped backwards in time that is just his style Moses' style so Moses likes to to go jump back and put things in a little more detail that's kind of interesting so it's kind of like those movies where it'll turn gray and it'll go back in time just to tell you a little bit more about the story. Yeah. So these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the days that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Okay. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb in the, of the field before it grew For the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the ground, and watered the whole face of the ground. That would be nice. (laughs) I wouldn't have to water my plants, I could just watch them grow. So this plant thing we we have sort of... Maybe either going back to day six or to day um, three. And it shows us that God was there to tend everything before we humans came. So it's actually one thing. God doesn't need us (laughs) is one thing. (laughs) Another thing, it, it shows us what the world was like back then. That there was water underground and it became springs and water came up under the ground that would be nice and there was little need for rain wow like i like rain and all but i don't like it when it floods everything yeah so and the lord god formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Okay, so... That really trips me out. Like, it still boggles my mind, that whole thing. Like, how... I just, like, want to see that happen. I want to see something being formed from the ground, and then God breathing life into the nostrils of his nose like trip out on that it's just i don't know yes yeah that's a it's a very trippy thing so uh right here in what formed formed man of the dust of the ground Mm -hmm. okay so what's interesting is that this first man his name is adam Mm -hmm. right and adam actually comes from a root word meaning dust or clay. Okay. That sort of thing. 
So we have it, man is from the dust. And it's a sort of a also connected with the color red. So Adam, and then you've got Edom. So uh, Esau, very hairy, very red. Mm-hmm. That's why his name was Edom. Edom, Adam. Mm-hmm. Wait, Esau is not the name Edom, though. No, that was his name. Esau is... Esau was his name given to him. It was his nickname. What was this Esau's real name? Esau. Esau's real name was Esau. He had a nickname called Edom because, one, he was very hairy and red. Wait, Esau's nickname was Edom? Yes. Okay. Esau's nickname was Edom, mm-hmm. one, because he came out as a big red hairy baby. Secondly, because uh, he want, he wanted some lentils, which the soup was red. And he was like, oh, give me that soup. And he sold his birthright for soup, and that soup was red. So they called him Edom, mm-hmm. because it was red soup. That was wow. his downfall. Okay. I, that story breaks my heart. And so... And so, right here, um, he, he, he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. He breathes. God is himself breathing. He's breathing, and he's breathing in the Hebrew continually. He's breathing like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. That's what I picture. And man became a living soul. And Wait, how many times do you think he breathed into him? Uh, nobody knows how many times, but uh, maybe the theory can go that he breathed in as, like, maybe Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's what I first thought. That's exactly what I thought. And then he became a living soul. And living soul is the same for animals, but uh, also God says in the image... Let us make man in our image. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in the last chapter. So, so animals have a soul. But we have something. We, we have, have the image. We have more than a soul. We have more than a soul. And that is the image of God. Our creativity. Because, yeah. So we can create. We can. We can. Um, we can do way more things than animals can. Yes. We can drive. An animal can't drive. We mm-hmm. can go to, to create and go to space and... Wow, we could do a lot of things. We could... Do, we could, I mean, yeah. A lot of things that animals can't do. Okay, so... Then it says... Uh, so we have a soul. You have a soul. And God made that soul. Man became a living being. Mm-hmm. So that was first. So man... He's out of the dust, the probably red dust, and that becomes the word for man. Adam, that mm-hmm. that means man in Hebrew. Okay. And so he becomes a living soul. So he's no longer clay. He breathes into him the breath of life. So I would say that the first breath is his body, mm-hmm. separating him from the dust Maybe the second is his soul, mm-hmm. uh, his living soul. Mm-hmm. And then I would think maybe the third would be uh, the image of God, mm-hmm. which would be what we would call the spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
and the lord planted a garden eastward in eden and there he put the man whom he had formed okay and so the garden he he creates this garden and gardens in middle eastern culture near eastern culture were a very important place it is where the kings and queens would go and enjoy themselves and bring in the most important uh people into their ga- garden and e- able to privately talk with them mm-hmm. so one example to give you a picture would be the hanging gardens of babylon and so you have king nebuchadnezzar and he he had made an alliance with the median king the medes Mm -hmm. and uh in order to seal this uh allegiance sort of allegiance to each other uh the king of the medes gave his daughter as uh, as a bride for nebuchadnezzar Mm -hmm. and when so the the medians at that time they lived up in the iranian uh part of the middle east and with Iran, and then you get uh, to the a little bit of north to Iran, you get the Caucasus Mountains, and it was a very mountainous region. Mm-hmm. And because it was mountainous, uh, you got a lot of ice mm-hmm. up there, and then it would like flow down, and it would water the mountains and all that, and it would be very green. So Nebuchadnezzar's wife. Uh, when she came to live in Babylon, and Babylon is a big, flat plain, and there's really, all there is is just fertile land for miles, miles around. It's like Kansas. And so Nebuchadnezzar noticed that his wife, that she was very depressed, and he knew that this was because she missed the green hills of her country in uh, in northern Iran. That's how I would feel if I moved to Kansas from California. So what he did was he constructed this very large uh, ziggurat, and on the ziggurat, on the ziggurat, he put gardens on it. Ooh. And what was interesting about these gardens Are they was the hanging gardens. Yeah, the oh. hanging gardens. And Isn't what, that the Seven Wonders of the World? Yes, the Seven Wonders. Uh, I believe Herodotus, the Greek historian. Uh, noted that this was like one one of seven things to see in the world along with the great pyramids mm-hmm. and like the colossus of Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And what's also interesting about this garden was that it, it's a ziggurat. Mm-hmm. And it has so, levels. So ziggurats, so water does not go up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so... To get water up from the river mm-hmm. to the top of the towers mm-hmm. in the in the tiers, uh, in order to make it like a hill sort of place, yes. what the engineers did was, and some of this is theory, uh, they would use this tool called an Archimedean screw, and it's sort of like this. It looks like a big screw. Mm-hmm. But you put it in the water and it becomes like a sprinkler thing. Yes. 
And so water comes up Mm -hmm. out of the ground, watering the garden. Mm -hmm. And so the Hanging Gardens of Babylon is the perfect picture of the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. Because one, we have the idea that this... Uh, from other parts of scripture, that this place is a mountain. Mm-hmm. It's got green, it's got greenery, it's got all these um, plants and wow. stuff, and water comes up out of the ground. In Things order to... that men will do for women. Yeah. <laughs> it waters the ground and greens the whole place. And so... Too bad for all those men out there for valentines that get their get their main squeeze just a box of chocolate and a teddy bear (laughs) yeah and also eden is actually the hebrew word for pleasure so it's the the garden of pleasure oh so now so he he made his his wife her own little garden of pleasure yeah basically because she was depressed Oh, okay, anyway. Okay. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and in and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, out of the ground, all the trees grow that is pleasant to the sight. You know, like palm trees. Mm-hmm oaks maybe whatever trees were i like their um, what do you call those type of trees that hang down oh, what are they willows weeping willows yeah i like weeping willows yeah and so you got all of those ones and then they're good for food fruit trees and then the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil And you get these two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they're in the middle of the garden. They're at the focus of the whole garden. The the tree of life is a very is a very common archetype in in later mythologies. Uh, So. When you say later mythologies, are you talking about mythological writings? Mythological writings. Okay. So you right. get these trees of life and they become connected with life, maybe fertility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so remember the Asherah poles that the prophets of Israel always wanted cut down because of sexual practices? Mm-hmm. That's connected with fertility. Mm-hmm. And fertility is a picture of life. Oh, okay. So it's a, the pole is a sort of a tree Mm -hmm. and it's of life. And then you've got sacred groves, Mm -hmm. all that. Uh, The Norse people, uh, they believed that the world was this sort of tier Mm -hmm. of nine other worlds. Mm -hmm. And that these nine worlds were suspended on a giant tree called Yggdrasil, which had unknowable roots also in kabbalistic and kabbalistic is jewish mysticism we don't get into that but 
that Kabbalistic picture of the Tree of Life matches the Tree of Life in Norse mythology, that the runic picture, because uh, it's called the Web of Ur Erd, and it's got your fate drawn into it. Mm -hmm. And you can basically use every letter of the runic alphabet and make this tree. Mm. So it's the tree where everything happens. And these trees represent both the tree of life and the knowledge of good and evil. So I'm sitting here nodding my head like I really understand what you're saying. But what I think you're saying is, is that these are all copycats of the tree of life. The um, tree of these life. stories, these mythological stories that were created throughout the um, ancient times. So because they're just kind of getting it from the actual uh, tree of life and the knowledge of good and evil, that one has, oh, that one has always just intrigued me and just, again, baffled. I'm baffled by stuff like this. So we'll get into that. But okay. first, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted, and it became into four heads. So there's four rivers mm -hmm. flowing out of the garden. The name of the first is Pishon, that is, which encompasseth the la whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. So Pishon, nobody where knows where this is. The whole land of Havilah. Nobody knows where that is. But we could guess that it may overlap with the Indus River in India. And that there's gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is Bedellium and the Onyx Stone. And uh, I, I think either Bedellium or the Onyx Stone. Another translation of that is Lapis Lazuli. Which is uh, sort of a like a blue bluish sort of stone which was like revered in near ancient near eastern cultures it was like the best stone and most expensive stone that you could find that the that the gods even wore wow so you got gold uh, mm -hmm. archetypically the most precious commodity mm -hmm. ever mm -hmm. and then you have these great stones it's mm -hmm. like so you have out of the garden mm -hmm. it's even beautiful out there. You've got this land, Havala, which has all these precious stones and gold. And the name of the second river is Gihon, uh, the same that is, it is that encompasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And so Ethiopia here is not the right translation. The real translation should be Kush, but we can say it's kind of Ethiopia. It may be the Nile-ish. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is pre-flood, so these rivers and lands were washed away. So, you you have this land. Okay, and the name of the third river is Hidekel. That is, that is which goeth forward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. And you get those two rivers that we know of. So, the Tigris, Hidekel, and Euphrates... And it says Assyria, but it should be translated Asher, which mm -hmm. was the ancient name for Assyria. Th these names were carried over by Noah's descendants after the flood. And 
given to his sons and they went and saw big rivers and they were like, oh, that's just like those rivers. Oh, okay. And so the rivers were different names until after the flood and then Noah's sons named them. Wait, other rivers after those specific rivers that yeah, they these, renamed? Yeah, these were the original rivers. Yeah. These were the rivers of rivers, okay. basically. The river of rivers. Okay. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So. That's interesting. So he didn't make Adam inside Eden. He made him outside Eden. And he then made him outside And Eden. put him into Eden? He Eden? was basically saying, here I present you this garden. And you have the privilege of going into my garden. Because God is the king. Mm-hmm. And you have the... Uh, privilege of dressing it. You get to live in the garden. Mm. I get to go and talk with you. You are my gardener. Ooh, and he's in there with God. Yeah, he's in there with God. So you've got you've got the picture of a king. So do you think Adam knew what it was like outside the garden? Or do you think he was just made and quickly put inside the garden? Well, I think that it took some time for him to get from point A to point B. Okay. From where he was created... And then to where uh, he was put. Okay. Then he then he was put. Okay. So he kind he kind of knew, and there were there had to be someone to tell this story. <laughs> okay. And the Lord. Okay. He. Uh, yeah. He dressed it. Basically, he tended the garden. Mm-hmm. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, "Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat." But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And so, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, he's in there. He's like, this is my garden, but do not touch that tree. Well, not touch it, but do not do not eat of it. Mm-hmm. Basically. And it's basically saying... Here is my garden, but you must remember that this is my garden, and that is my tree, that you must not eat of it. So God doesn't make anything evil. We must know that. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God made that tree, but it is not evil. It is the knowledge of good and evil. What it is is that it's not the tree in and of itself which causes, like, life or death to be given. It is... The intention of the man taking of a tree. So if you're taking of the tree of life, you're obeying God's commands and you are to when you obey God, you receive life. But here, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Here, man is defining good and evil. He's saying, well, God said this, but... I know a little more than him. I decide, based on my knowledge, what is good, what is evil. So, it's not more about me and God anymore. It's about whether I know what is moral, what is good. And that's actually what becomes the... what the Pharisees are. 
It's not mainly about the Sabbath day anymore. They're not resting in the Sabbath day. They're more about, what can I define as good and evil? And they became about rules and whether you should do this, do that, don't eat beetles, flies, or gnats. You know, a lot of people can actually fall into this trap. I, I shouldn't even say a lot of people. I think every human has the tendency or has fallen into this trap because when they're defining what is good and what is evil, then they themselves have become like God themselves. They have made themselves God and they have taken something that doesn't belong to them. Mm-hmm. They have taken something, you know, it would be like putting something down on a table and you're like, okay, this is mine. I own it. It's in my house. And someone coming into that house and you trusting them to be there in your home, you love them. They, you break bread with them. You commune with them. But then they see this thing on the table and they think, you know what? I have every right to take that because you know, I'm good here. I'm good in this home. And I'm, I think I, I think I have the right to touch that and to take it. And they take, they grab it and it actually harms them because, um, it wasn't supposed to be touched. And, you know, it, it just, and, and it also offends the person that, you know, that they trusted, it hurts their, it hurts them. And so I understand what you're saying about like the whole good and evil thing, because, you know, people can define what they think is moral and what they don't. I mean, look at the Holocaust, look at how many people thought that there was nothing wrong with that. They defined what was good and what was evil. You know, look at slavery in in America, um, you know, in the civil rights, you know, movement in America and the Civil War. And, you know, I mean, we can go on and on all around the world what people defined was good and what was evil. You know, look at some, you know, religions. They believe that, you know, um, like... Uh, like blowing themselves up is good. You know, they're defining what is good and what is evil. The Pharisees defined what good and evil was. And it was so muddled and so skewed and so perverted, you know, and, and we could just look throughout, throughout the Bible and, and see what people defined what good and evil was. And so like, I never really knew you know, when, when Adam and Eve took that fruit, when the devil was telling them, you know, oh, you will be like God, you know, knowing good and evil. He, (coughs) sorry, he was basically saying, you will be God yourself and you will be able to define what good and evil is. And, and that's a scary thought when, a human says, I am God. And that's exactly what the devil did. He, he tricked them into doing what he wanted, 
what he did himself. And, and he, that's what he wants for every human, honestly, is to be like God and to get all the attention. So, I don't know. Ben says, um, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. So I know that word help meet means ally. Um, right? I mean, ally, that means somebody that is hand in hand with you. Somebody that is... It's a, it's a helper. A helper. Like, he's not, you know... He doesn't rule over her, right? It doesn't say that, oh, I will make a mate to fulfill his needs, his physical needs. It does not say, I will make a a uh, servant for him. It makes, it's, I will make a help for him because it's not good for him to be alone. <laughs> So it's basically somebody to help him do what he's supposed to do. Somebody yeah. that is going to compliment him mm -hmm. and vice versa, really, because they're side by side. They become one. Yeah. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them and what and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So he comes and God makes out of the ground uh, unto Adam to see what he would call them. Basically, I'm going to make a help for him. But then he just shows him a bunch of animals. Mm -hmm. But also what it's saying is he wasn't there to... God didn't mess up when he was making all these animals. Mm -hmm. He wasn't like, oh, I accidentally made a gorilla instead of a woman. What he was just showing was the whole of his creation, what he was supposed to lord over. Also, maybe a lot of commentators have said maybe they were always in droves of two with their mates. Yeah, and they had two eyes and a nose and a mouth. You know, and they, he saw that, you know, that like, it was almost like God was preparing him to see, um, that, that he needed companionship. Mm -hmm. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not an help to meet him. So basically there, there wasn't a pair. There wasn't a pair yeah. for him. Mm -hmm. And God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Wait, why did he put him to sleep? Is it because so, it was going to hurt to do that? <laughs> well, it's just that he needed to... He, need, he needed to just basically... Sedate so, him or something? Like, sleep, <laughs> sleep, like sleep is like death. Mm -hmm. He goes down, he... he 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 goes down. He's going to. I just picture when you're in the hospital and they like give you, like sedate you. He's and going to go through a process. That this is actually the first mention of sleep. He goes, and then he rises again, and then he finally sees the. His help, and so, uh, deep sleep fall upon him. He he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh. 
And so it's a, it's an interesting thing. Like throughout all these cultures, you have these stories of men who have had something lost from them. And then it, it's like, it's lost. And then, and then it comes back as a woman. Uh, you mean in mythology? In mythology. Oh, okay. Other stories. A lot of Other stories. Other stories. So okay. it's a very important thing. It's you have to lose you have to lose something in order for God to give you what you have. What well, what you need. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that Adam was complaining that he didn't have that rib. Mm-hmm. Or that whatever was in his side. Because in the end, he then got what he needed. What he needed is like, you don't complain about your liver. Because what was your, what was his extra liver doing for him at that time? <laughs> Nothing really. It didn't provide companionship or anything. It was better to be outside than to be inside and him just be without companionship. So. And the rib which God made, Lord God had taken from the man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So here we get a picture of cleaving unto... So it's like they become joined together. He's getting back his rib mm-hmm. by, by leaving his father and mother and becoming his one flesh. Because Yeah, but Adam and Eve didn't have a father and a mother. Yeah, that that's one thing, uh, but also th- this. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother, because the father and mother are sort of like like the animals, not like brutes, but they're they're a pair, they're a pair. But what are they going to do for? Uh, the child who does not have his, his like flesh within him what what he needs and I'm not saying that all people need to be married I just saying that a lot of people need to be married uh one for release two for companionship someone to help them well, is one. and to procreate too procreate but the the main thing is to help and they of shall worse. They shall cleave and they shall become one flesh. Especially in this day and age when inflation is like through the roof and you need like, (laughs) like, I mean, I was just telling this to, I don't know who I was telling it to one of the kids. I was like, okay, if you live by yourself, you're in, in, you say you want a house and a car and yeah, you could do that if you're single, but in this day and age, you probably can't. <laughs> you need another person. Yeah, you can have some roommates, some guy roommates, but like, so 
everybody's going to get tired of one another. But to have a wife um, is wonderful because then she can help you. Like, what if she ends up working and you got two incomes? Or what if, you know, you you uh, have kids together and then you have, like, more of a drive to, to work harder and to live better? And, I mean, you just, everything, you go through life together and you you know, take care of babies together. You have to, when you have a newborn, you're up day and night together. And then, you know, you're up helping the kids when they're with their homework together. You're, you know, like helping them throw up together. It's like, you really learn a lot about each other and you really are allies. You really are, you know, helpers. And she helps you. She helps the man be the man that he, the best man he could be. And he gives up everything for her. I don't know. I'm rambling. Yeah. And then there's this last verse. Okay. Uh, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And so that is a, that is a picture of true marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, they can, they can walk. They're vulnerable to one another. They're vulnerable, but they don't walk with lust or malicious intent none of them is taking advantage of each other they're accepting one another for who they are they're not taking advantage of each other they're exposed um they're they're learning one another they're um made in the image of god and yeah that's that is another one thing that really baffles me because, and we'll get into it when we get into chapter three, but that really baffles me. The whole, the baffle is my word tonight because I wonder why God mentioned or why the scriptures mention the nakedness. And I know there's something deep to it. And I know there's so many different ways that you can talk about it and take it. But to me, I think vulnerability i think you're transparent you know all about each other that's the way i see it the good the bad the good the bad the the ugly ugly. all warts and all even though that there was no bad or ugly yeah in this world everything was good and that's one of the reasons why it was why they were comfortable in that state yeah yeah that's so true because they knew that they Nobody would do anything to them. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Like, imagine walking around naked with, like, lions and tigers and bears around. Like, to me, I would be terrified. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that's, I guess, where we're going to stop. We're going to wrap this session up of the Oh My Geekers podcast. If you haven't subscribed, uh, please do so. And... Please also leave a review, a friendly review. Tell us what you think about the podcasts. And um, that would be really helpful to us. Um, That way more people can um, listen in. And not only are we educating others on uh, an array of topics, but we're also um, educating ourselves. We're, We're learning together. And that's what this podcast is about. And we do go deep into 
things that a lot of people don't talk about. That's why it's called the Oh My Geekers podcast. So thank you for joining us. And you know what? We're going to end in a prayer. Uh, Last time we forgot, but this time we're going to end in a quick prayer. And then we will see you all next week um, for chapter three of Genesis. So Zeke, why don't you close us in prayer? Yeah. Our Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this podcast and we... Uh, just pray that you would bless this podcast and also reveal uh, all you need us to understand about the scriptures in order to relay it to other people so that they can grow in their faith and teach others and we just uh, we, we pray uh, a blessing upon this podcast and upon all who listen to it and in Jesus' name amen amen thank you for listening to the Oh My Geekers Geekers podcast.